Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. You're listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank. Coming up, the latest in sports betting from KC Sports Network, featuring Benny and the Bets, hosted by local media personality and betting aficionado, Benny Heisler. Let's get to the show. What's up? Happy post-NFL draft to all of you guys that are tuning in today for a brand new edition of Benny and the Bets. I am the Benny, the show is the Bets, and I am joined by one of the great minds in betting, the senior content uh, creator at Gaming Society, Kate Majuk. She is here with us on the program today. We are going through some of our favorite NFL futures post-draft, maybe take a look at some uh, offensive and defensive rookie of the year futures to consider, and just, I I love talking ball with Kate because she's awesome. So she's here with us today. What's up, Kate? Good to see you. Good to see you. Thank you so much for having me, especially to talk about um, some of like the the odds and lines we finally have out. We can finally bet on uh, these rookies that we've spent endless hours speculating. We finally have some landing spots. Like this is uh, still one of my favorite times of the year. Infinite possibilities. Right. Like there's still so much high anticipation. We haven't made the term the determination if any of these like top fifteen picks are going to suck yet. Um, which the numbers indicate that a handful of these guys, Kate, are going to be bad. We just can't see that in our rearview mirror yet. We're still on that road to trying to determine that all 30-something, all 31 picks are, are going to be you know, game changers for, for their prospective franchises. Uh, absolutely. And you know what? It's so interesting, too, in this post-draft period because you have all these franchises coming out and, and telling you, you know, how many rookies they had first-round grades on, like, theoretically it should be i guess this year 31 but like you always hear these weird numbers like you know low numbers of you know it, it, was this a good draft class was this a bad draft class how are how are these teams scouting these players and i feel like generally speaking the consensus that i've seen is that gms weren't like particularly hot in, in terms of their their first round player evaluation so Interesting to see how that shakes up. But you know what? No matter what, no matter how many suck, how many are good, we're still going to have an offensive rookie and defensive rookie of the year. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's. Someone's got to win it. Tone. Somebody has to win it. It's like the Super Bowl, right? Like, you might get a really bad Super Bowl, but there, there is going to be a winner eventually. Like, it's just going to happen. 
So one thing I wanted to ask you about, because I think it pertains really well to the concept that you guys are doing at Gaming Society. And for anybody that, that A, isn't following Kate uh, on Twitter yet, uh, shame on you. You need to absolutely be doing that. Uh, at Kate Majuk, K-A-T-E-M-A-G-D-Z-I-U-K. Uh, you should also be following the Gaming Society as well on Twitter and on social media as well. You know, I, I think what's what I love about your site, and we've had conversations about this over the last several months, is that there is a meaningful connection between finding ways to talk about sports betting with an audience that is eager to learn more without feeling like you're only part of a very select group of people that are on the inside. Like, you and I both agree that this is a space that needs to be more inclusive, more inviting, and more willingness to be able to have fun with the content. So with regards to the NFL draft, like from a content perspective, like what were you guys looking at? What was moving the needle for you guys leading up to a, a key major event in the NFL? It always comes back to these player storylines. I think first and foremost, like I, I think that's the heart and blood of the entire industry is getting to know these players, getting to know uh, the the people specifically uh, behind the the stat sheet and and getting to see what makes them tick and I think the NFL draft is like a, a really special experience just in general for that regard because we all have access to the stats but I I think a lot of what the teams are doing when they're scouting these players is you know take that stat sheet for what you will but they're scouting these players lives their personalities how they how they respond. And I think we saw a, a lot of really interesting players come out and, uh, you know, like Will Levis, we saw him sitting around in the draft or in the green room for uh, over a day. How does he react to that? How does he bounce back from the fact that he went from Mr. Reddit rumor 101 uh, down to the second round? How does he bounce back? But like getting to know these players for the people they are and their personalities, like, uh, Bijan, Bijan's Dijon. Like that's the most underrated story for <laughs> Bijan Robinson. That makes you realize, like, I don't know if anybody's ever just spent time scrolling through the merch store on Bijan's Dijon. I promise you, I am not in. Uh, you know, I have no affiliate deal with Bijan's Dijon, but like, he writes all the descriptions for every single item in the shop firsthand, and it's probably like it's better content than you're going to be reading on any other site any other day but pieces like that give you glimpses as to like who is Bijan as a person I spent so much time prepping Will Levis's draft profile on his TikTok of all places because I got to know a lot about him based on what what kind of content he you know how he presents himself to the media it's not all about the statue but uh, you you know, getting the insight to the characters and falling in love with these players for who they are, like, regardless of whether your bets hit or not, like, finding the stories you like to root for, I think is so important, you know, even in sports betting, you know, which can be such an analytical approach, like, there can be a narrative approach, too, that can be equally as fun to engage with, if not more. I think that's incredibly well said. And for anybody that might counter with well, yeah, me knowing the player isn't going to matter as to whether or not my bet hits or not. Maybe in certain aspects that's true, but more often than not, social media in particular will give a different glimpse into an athlete or a celebrity's world that maybe you gain a different type of insight. 
maybe there's a day game in Major League Baseball and you see somebody's Instagram page or their Snapchat that they've been out late. Maybe you get a little bit of a different perspective. Maybe that person may not be in the starting lineup that day. Uh, or maybe they're going to be running a little bit more sluggish uh, around the base pass. These are different things where information is information. It all depends on how you want to be able to use it and relate to it and connect with it. And like you said, so much of these stories are about feelings and connections and community that you might as well find the different avenues of it. And, and that's the type, of the, the type of content that you guys are creating. So uh, salute to you guys on the journey because it's been a lot of fun to read. Thank you so much. It, I mean, it's definitely been, it, it's a unique, I think, approach that, uh, you know, not everybody's like, you know, we're not disregarding analytics by any stretch. We want people to become educated betters, but I think we also, you know, want there to be an element where people can connect emotionally with the idea of sports betting. Like sports betting is so fun because inherently it just gives us another way to interact with a sport that we already love. Like that is what sports betting does at its core. We can analyze it to death. We can, we can hit you with all the metrics, but really you're, you're connecting in with a sport you love and in a, a new and wholesome way. And, and I think, under underrating the emotional aspect of that it, i don't know you can miss out i i never like to bet on players that i don't want to root for or that i'm not actively rooting against like i want to feel something in my heart i want to feel the tingly so um i i think this i i think it, it's definitely a an interesting approach but um it, it can be i think one of the most fun ones is to to find these stories that you resonate with and love no doubt about it. I'm I'm really glad we're having this conversation. I apologize for anybody that's listening. Apparently, my dog has seen multiple squirrels outside. So, um, very opinionated in terms of sports betting. Very yeah, he's, uh, he's pro analytics and does not like what I have to say here about no the the emotional connection. Am I picking up on that? It's just just a little bit. I mean, she. <laughs> She's she's very much a straight line runner. I I still am convinced that you know if they ever decide to make an Airbud remake, it'd be good to get a little bit more female representation. Luna could absolutely step up uh, and do a great job. She's got you know terrific athleticism. Uh, gets a little distracted at times, uh, but ultimately you know the herder in her is likely going to be able to move everything along. But again, I don't want to go full on Mel Kiper, Matt Miller. Uh, in this area because there's only there's only so much content that our viewers uh can take from me when it comes to talking about my dog but uh let's let's go through these divisions because you have a lot of intriguing storylines post draft and, and then of course after we're done with the divisions i do want to get kate's perspective on who she likes uh in the offense and defensive rookie of the year considerations in this early futures market so let's start with the nfc east and i got a lot of trying to think of the right word but i i laughed when i saw the story come out that uh a bunch of nfl executives kate are all upset that howie roseman is being universally praised for his draft to which my response was sort of twofold the first is uh a do better uh <laughs> if you don't want that do your job better and b if if nfl people are mad that other gms are getting high praise from the draft these executives, like, they're never allowed to call an NFL player soft ever again. <laughs> ever again. If you're if you're complaining about that aspect, uh, you need to sort of do your job a little bit better and maybe start focusing on what's actually important. Having said that, the Eagles still remain 
monster favorites. Best number that I've seen for them to win the division is still at plus odds uh, at DraftKings at plus 115. And then you have the Cowboys behind them uh, at plus 175. Giants at plus 500. Obviously, they took a, a major step with both the, with both Brian Dable in his first year and Daniel Jones. He gets the massive extension. Uh, and then Washington in a bit of an intriguing spot. They declined the fifth-year option on Chase Young. But I still think they have some pieces there that you're always looking for sort of those teams that can uh, kind of come out of nowhere and surprise. I still think Washington has that chance. I just don't know if it's necessarily for the division. Post-draft, looking at the NFC East, are you looking at it as, as this is Phillies to lose and anything else would be kind of gravy at this point? I think if you're... To be clear, I'm, I'm projecting Philly as the NFC East winner, but I still think Dallas at, at uh, right now plus 170 odds uh, on DraftKings right now. Interesting underdog that I think nobody's really even considering, despite the fact that um, I think Jerry Jones is proving out to, you know, be just putting together a really quite balanced NFL roster. Uh, obviously, you know, with the departure of Zeke, I think that actually opens things up like they're not going to shoot themselves in the foot just for the, the sake of being committed to Ezekiel Elliott. Um, I think Brandon Cooks as a, a receiver, as a, a speedy option was something they very, very much needed. Um, I, I think this entire offense, you know, is just looking really solid. They've got all the playmakers. They need a defense. Like it just feels like it's, it's, kind of goofy not to keep them more closely aligned in this conversation you know Dallas makes a lot of sense Cade only in the sense that you're right the offense is really talented you still know the type of playmakers that they have on the defensive side of the ball and with Philadelphia they didn't really deal with a whole lot of injury issues from a season ago and they have a lot of veterans on their team talent perspective I still think they they edge out Dallas really on both sides but a couple injuries here and there for Philadelphia, and the Dallas gets off, gets off to a, a new and improved start. Maybe you have some concerns about the offensive play calling with Kellen Moore gone, but I, I certainly don't mind them. I think the question is, if you want to bet Dallas, do you do it sooner rather than later, uh, given if we expect Philadelphia maybe to start off a little slower than expectations? I think you probably do it later. So I think this is one of those bets that you uh, – probably put in your back pocket while uh, you know you continue to allow this hype uh this never-ending hype train that is the philadelphia eagles uh let that take off a little bit further and i do think we're probably going to continue to see those odds um shift throughout this offseason and like i i think generally speaking we know this nfc east is going to be competitive we saw that this season it was incredible to watch but um i, I do think that betters are are very uh very excited about what howie roseman's building uh as are uh you know all of these gms that can't stop griping about it all right so from the nfc east to the afc east um i don't think there's value on the jets right now because of the nature of acquiring aaron Rodgers and all the hype and hoopla that comes along with bringing him in Buffalo still at plus odds to me is is the play. Um, like, to, there's an aspect right now of Josh Allen, and then adding Dalton Kincaid to an already electric offense. I, I think there's a little bit of fu mindset coming in from Josh Allen this year, where for the first time in a long time, there's a perception that he's 
no longer one of the top tier guys that he can't deliver when it matters most that his teammates are starting to turn against him. And those moments of previous years have proven to be building grounds for Josh Allen to overcome it as opposed to being let down in that moment. Am, am I reading too much into this? Do you still look at Buffalo as they're deserving to be the favorites and, and looking at the, the Jets in that perspective? Probably a little too much hype given all the uncertainty and all the changes. And, and in particular, I don't think they had a good draft either. Now, I'm actually going to probably surprise you here. So uh, I like the narratives around the Bills. I like this sort of underdog mentality. I think we saw this team come together uh, in what was an incredibly beautiful way. Like we saw the kinship that this team has with one another. Added Damian Harris, added Connor McGovern. um, Had a a couple of just low-key ads. But I do think they lost a couple of pieces that between Tremaine Edmonds, like Devin Singletary, not necessarily a guy who's um, taken over the offense at any point, but he's been a very solid asset. Uh, do I think like the scales haven't really shifted all that much? I I think Dalton Kincaid loved the ad, uh, but you know, I, I'm going to go ahead and say that I think there's a little bit of value for the Miami Dolphins and I don't want everybody to hop in my mentions here with the uh, with the concerns here, but Miami Dolphins plus two ninety, uh, those are pretty decent profits. I, I think we, when we're looking at an offense that, if if Tua Tagovailoa stays healthy, I, I think has pretty much. Like, I'm trying to find the holes in this offense. I'm trying to hold, find the holes in this defense. Uh, had the trade for Jalen Ramsey, uh, traded uh, for. Um, Oh my gosh, who am I? Uh, Bradley Chubb last season thought that was just a generally underrated move. And, you know, Devin A. Chain in this draft was probably one of the biggest, like, duh picks in this entire draft because it just felt so on brand. He's this super speedy running back who, like, that was like their one area where they just they really needed some youth. And, like, it, guess what? Now they have their speedy running back who fits the scheme just as well as Raheem Mostert. Like, yeah. it feels like all of the building blocks are here. And it feels like when we saw Tua healthy, this team was on a very high trajectory. Like, there were points where it looked like Tua might be taking home MVP because he's got two of the best wide receivers in the entire NFL. Um, now you round out that running game a little bit. You add another piece on defense, which I think is key to to help out Xavier and Howard. Like there, there's just not a lot that I don't like about this team. So the odds being as unbalanced as they are, given the end to the Bills' season, feels it feels like there's some value there. Miami's really interesting, and while I buy into the talent on the offensive side of the ball, the almost like luxury of riches that they now have at corner. Cause remember their, their first pick in the draft was Cam Smith out of South Carolina. So now you have Ramsey, now you have Howard, you have Smith, um, you know, you can probably slot him into, you know, in, into the slot at this point. And now you have really, really good corners. We assume Smith is going to be able to pan out. Um, I, I might give it a little bit more thought. The, the one concern about Miami is I, I worry with McDaniel that there could be something similar to what we saw with Stefanski in Cleveland, where year one, 
everything worked really well, right? Like the scheme was a success. The players and the talent were there. How do you adjust in year two? And I can't help but wonder if an improved Jets team, Buffalo with a chip on their shoulder, and even the Patriots to a certain extent might start to be able to better scout Miami in year two with McDaniel. I, I worry a little bit that especially if Tua isn't consistently healthy, if they do take a step back. But I think I think there's some really compelling points. Like from a talent perspective, they can do it. And you're talking to somebody who at one point jumped on Tua at 80 to one um, to win MVP, and uh, that blew up very very quickly uh, in my face. Let's let's take a quick break. We got more with Kate Maju from Gaming Society going through the divisions post NFL draft, going over some of our futures, and also stick around. We'll go through our favorite. Uh, futures for Offensive and Defensive Player of the Year. You're locked in. It's Benny on the Bets right here on KCSN. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. All right, Kate, let's talk a little NFC North as we continue on in our divisional tour. I thought the Bears had a very good draft. I thought Darnell Wright was a key position of need. The question that I think Bears fans still are are trying to wrap their heads around is you let Philadelphia in and only got a fourth-round pick to take arguably the most talented player in the draft in Jalen Carter. At a position of need, we've heard constantly that the three technique, that defensive tackle, that disruptor, is the key to Matt Eberflus's defense. To me, I think by passing on him, it was always evident that no matter how good of a fit or how talented the player, Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus, they're going to go and get their guys. I think if you have that type of conviction, it matters uh, because you know exactly what you're looking for. However, Lions still likely to uh, to win that division based off the odds. They're plus 140. Uh, one book has them at plus 155. Then the Vikings and the Bears. And then Green Bay. Uh, it seems weird to see the Packers all the way down in that plus 400, plus 500 you know, territory if you're looking at DraftKings. Uh, do you still look at the Lions as the the undisputed class of the NFC North, given a pretty strange first round? Definitely a very strange first round. Like there was no, uh, I don't think there were any picks that had me gay. What? Like, like these two first round picks of the Detroit Lions, because I think, um, you know, cumulatively, it, you know, it, things I think balanced out closer to the end of the draft, but. 
for what they had in terms of draft capital, it just didn't feel like they did much at all with it. Um, I, I still think overall, though, looking at the Detroit Lions roster head to toe, probably not one that I want to bet against at this point. It, you know, like the Vikings, huge question marks there as to where they're going. They got Jordan Addison in the first round, which was such a, um, I think, a, a great fit is going to fit right into the slot, straight out of the gate. Um, but they also have some questions like, you know, Dalvin Cook, is he going to be traded from the roster? What are they doing with Kirk Cousins? Is this maybe a team that's going to be in contention for uh, that Trey Lance trade so we can get Kirk back with Kyle Shant? Like, we don't, There, I think there's too many questions, question marks uh, when it comes to the Vikings, the Bears. This is all going to depend on Justin Fields and whether or not he takes the next step. Um, generally speaking, I think they've done, you know, some some of the right things to put him in a spot to test him and see uh, what his chances are at success between, uh, you know, the move for DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, it, Cole Komet could take another big leap forward, I think, as he continues to progress in his NFL career. Um, the run game's pretty solid. It's just, does it all come together? And it's a big question mark. I think we have the fewest question marks in this division about the Lions. But the only thing that has me a little bit worried, and this might be a very bizarre thing, but the entire uh, issue surrounding their uh, the sports gambling uh, query in that yeah. that building, it was weird. Um, like multiple players suspended. The fact that there were multiple staff members, like like. That's a it, it almost feels like a cultural thing. Like I'm I'm totally speaking off the cuff here, but from a just outsider looking in, it doesn't look like that's the kind of culture that you're looking to promote uh for your roster, which again, they they fired multiple staffers. Like they they took the steps to rectify this, but something that had my ears just like perked up a little bit and to say Huh? Like what? What? Are, what's going on in Detroit? Like very weird. But on paper, they're doing all the right things. I think that's a really interesting observation, especially given their their mindset under Dan Campbell has always been like, focus, block everything out, like overachieve. And yes, like us the against the world, bite the meat like, like so, when you're when you should be when you're. When your organization has those types of missteps, and, and those are pretty clear missteps, like Calvin Ridley being suspended for a year for gambling, that that should have opened the eyes of everybody in the NFL, knowing that this could impact every team, every player, every coach. If you think you're doing this off cover, outside of the or inside the stadium, and you think you get away with it, you can't. Um, so I do, I, I can't help but wonder as, as to whether or not that app, like. We always talk about like the bullshit distractions, right? Like, oh, we don't know if we want to bring in so and so because he might be a distraction. No, this is an actual distraction. Yes. <laughs> so I think if there's not an ability for Detroit to galvanize as a result of this, they could be they, at least they're helped out by the fact that the division is bad, right? Yeah. That, that very much. they could get off to a bad start and still find their way to it, kind of how they did last year. The question is whether or not, you know, another team 
steps up along the way. But I, I think that's a really astute observation about Detroit. It's it's part of the reason that I, I'm probably a stay away from this division. Yes, very much. It, you don't have to necessarily bet any of these teams unless you have conviction on a Minnesota improving their defense or Justin Fields taking that next step. Or if Jordan Love is the guy, you really want to go there. Uh, I suppose I can. Uh, I'm just not going to go ahead and, and join there with you. Um, to the AFC North, a, a division near and dear to uh, your heart. Bengals are, are clearly the uh, division favorites, uh, hanging around plus 120. Then you have Baltimore with uh, the newly extended Lamar Jackson. Uh, Cleveland in that plus 350 range. Uh, and then Pittsburgh, plus 650, who you can make an argument that from a draft standpoint, um, Pittsburgh knocked it out of the park and continued to do so uh, in Omar Khan's first year. I, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't know if Pittsburgh can beat out Cincinnati for the division, but I think plus 650 for this team, when especially when you've seen with young quarterbacks taking steps in the right direction in year two, um, with Mike Tomlin never having a losing season, I, I don't think they should be in the basement of that division. I expect that Pittsburgh will be a team that will be in contention. I just don't know whether or not they can get to the top of the top, but I, I think there's value. I think there's good players on Pittsburgh, and I'm not afraid to lay a little pizza money on them as a surprise team to win this division. I, I actually, I mean, in terms of like looking at teams for, for values, right? If you're scouting values, Pittsburgh Steelers have to be one of the best values in the league right now, just because, as you mentioned, very successful draft. If I do say say so myself, I'm not not trying to be biased here, but I think you know addressed a lot of positional needs. Like I, you know, I was kind of scratching my head a little bit at Broderick Jones, not scratching my head, but I, I it just felt to me like cornerback was a greater need. Gonzalez was still on the board, like, but then you get Joey Porter in the second, and suddenly everything comes together, and it looks like this master plan the entire time, and it worked out. I, I think, you know, just by nature of this team, by nature of the coach, um, this is a team that's really always going to be in contention, even when uh, they're not necessarily supposed to be. My biggest worry is definitely the offense at this point, and can Matt Canada, or, or can this offense um, step forward in spite of Matt Canada? Not can he do anything to help this offense, because I've given up hope there, but I do think if we're going to see Kenny Pickett take the next step, even with the tools that, that they've put in place, like, you know, I, I think that the question mark for me is Matt Canada. And if they don't make the playoffs this year, which I, again, still, still in the realm of possibility, even last year for a season that was just a disaster, it came down to the wire, whether or not they'd make the playoffs. Um, so like maybe if you're, you're looking to get your toes wet on a little bit of plus money, but you're not ready to dive straight in. They are plus 152 right now to make the playoffs. So maybe you think they'll come into one of these, you know, wild card seeds. They're not going to go for a, a big run. But again, under Mike Tomlin, this is a team that has been perennially competitive. And if I'm being honest, I still think, and maybe this is like my AFC North bias coming out, I would have pegged the the Cleveland Browns to be, um, I, I think, a little bit closer to the Steelers in terms of their their odds projection here, uh, in terms of 
how many people are betting on on the Cleveland Browns right now to win the A? It's got to be just Browns fans, right? <laughs> right. And and as we know from Browns fans, they're they're loud and and proud of their team, and uh, maybe from a financial standpoint, they've already sunk money into. Yeah, their season tickets and everything else Browns related. Maybe they're filling up some of those Ohio sports books as well. Uh, if, you, if you looked at what they saw in in 2022, right? Like you couldn't have liked what you saw. No, it, it's it's do they bounce back from that? Because we saw a lot of potential with Kevin Stefanski. Obviously, we know the ceiling of Deshaun Watson, but like the guy took a pretty long break from playing football. Like. We can't keep ignoring that. Obviously, can he, you know, knock some more of that rust off and start to look like, you know, Watson of old? Like, maybe. Um, but it, I think, for a team that looked as disastrous as they did, um, that's you know, it, the odds are pretty interesting there. Do the Saints deserve to be clear-cut, undisputed favorites in the NFC South? No. They're- why like it's plus one ten, <laughs> it's plus one twenty five at the highest level. I the division stinks, Kate. But if you're telling me that just because their car is there, then all of a sudden we're looking at the Saints as the runaway favorites in this division, I I'm not buying what they're selling. This is actually kind of a division that generally speaking, outside of one team, which I'll get to that in a minute, but like this feels kind of like the way that we're looking at the NFC North, right? With the Lions being well, yeah. decent favorites and everybody else just kind of being like, you know, it, it just, uh, none of these teams feel super great. But I do think if you're going to bet on one team, you've got to roll with the Atlanta Falcons plus 300 on FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, and I do think like top to bottom when you're looking at this roster, and no, I'm not just saying this because uh, Bijan Robinson happened to be drafted there. Uh, though he does, he he's certainly not going to hurt your cause. I don't know how much he necessarily helps it. Um, not that he's not a totally generational running back, but like I, I think in terms of what they're ge- generally building, like I think they have a distinct vision for how they want their team to operate. They want to be uh, a run heavy, efficient offense, and they've taken all of the building blocks and, and stacked them, I think, quite nicely in terms of what they have to do to take this team to the next level. Now, like just across the board, off season additions, you know, this defense is starting to look a little bit scary. Like everything's, I think, coming together to paint a very cohesive picture. They're telling me a story with the way that they're, they're putting their roster together. And at plus 300, like, yeah, I'll take, you know, add in Calais Campbell. They take a shot on Jeff Okuda for, literally nothing add in jesse bates like this is starting to look like a really well-balanced team and we have to start taking them seriously i i'm not i'm not buying into the Derek carr um Derek carr kool-aid i'm not either i i i like the saints going into the season last year because i thought the the defense was going to be good enough to be able to keep them in games just never happened. And then you saw wild inconsistencies on the offensive side. And I like Carr, but I think Carr a lot of times is is sort of the victim of the circumstance and what's around him. And I'm not necessarily sure I look at what's around him as something that's going to completely elevate the rest of this offense. Um, You know, Atlanta's intriguing. I'm not buying in on on Carolina right now. I, I think as much as 
as much polish as Young has, it's still a rookie quarterback who's going to be starting on week one, and more often than not, that that doesn't lead to positive results at the very beginning. And then Tampa Bay, like that's that's such a wild card. Nobody has any clue, and and given what odds makers are projecting, uh, they're not projecting much with Baker as the current starter. We're gonna take one more break. We got three more divisions to go with the AFC South. Of course, we'll talk about the Chiefs' perspective post-draft with Kate coming up on the other side. And we need some picks for Offensive and Defensive Rookie of the Year. Stay with us. You're listening to Benny and the Bets right here on KCSN. You're listening to KC Sports Network. We'll be right back after this. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. All right, Ben Heisler, Kate Majuk of Gaming Society. Kate's been awesome with art with her time today uh, in going through all these different divisions. I, I don't know if I necessarily want to spend a lot of time, to be completely honest, on the AFC South. There's none of these teams other than Jacksonville excite me, and the odds with Jacksonville do not excite me. Um, best number I've seen right now is right around minus 150. Uh, after that, it's Tennessee in the, in the plus 350, 375 range. Colts are way, way down, and as much as I love how they approach the draft this year, um, and I'm a big Anthony Richardson fan, I, I that's a guy that's going to take some time. Uh, and then it's still the Texans are going to do Texan things, and as much as it's Amico Ryan's going to be able to make an impact with with turning that team around, and I like the picks of Stroud and Anderson, um, there's a reason that they're 10-1 to win this division of DraftKings. So it, do you have any conviction outside of Jacksonville as a team that might be able to make some noise in this division? Or should we just say it's Jacksonville and move on? For me, it's Jacksonville and move on. I think it just in general, um, this is a team that's more well-balanced. I think it, what we saw last year out of Trevor Lawrence in that second year leap, um, amazing what happened, what kind of good things can happen when you're not uh, being led by a guy like Urban Meyer. Um like that second year leap was absolutely tremendous. He is far and away the best quarterback in this division, at least for now. Uh, we're we're going to see, I think, just continued excellence from the Jaguars in, in terms of their development of this, you know, relatively young roster. And I think this is going to be Jaguars and out. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I I will say this though, like. I don't know if Houston will finish in last. I I do expect sizable improvement from them. Like, but we're talking about like maybe five six wins. It's not going to be anything that's competing at the division level. Like, I, I can see Houston losing a lot of close games. Like, they're gonna be. I think they're gonna be a really good. They were they were a pain in the side of a lot of these teams that they played throughout the season. Like, yeah, they're. It felt like. 2023 or 2022 could have gone differently for these teams. So like, I don't know, maybe it, you know, betting on their, their over under for win totals. Let's take a look at what that would look like. Um, right now they're over, uh, over five and a half wins at minus 144 odds. Yeah. I would take that. That like, that feels about right. Uh-huh. I, I agree with you. I, I, I think they're going to be like a six, maybe seven win team. Uh, you know, like Detroit the last couple of years, despite not having a great win-loss record, has been like a top three team against the spread. I, I can kind of see Houston going in that direction because um, I I think Stroud's going to be a really good player. I I really like him. He would have been probably my top quarterback prospect overall. I, I love the tape of him at Ohio State, and 
he's going to have some more weapons and Damian Pierce is going to be able to help in that backfield. Um, like there's, there's some dudes on Houston. It's just a matter of whether or not organizationally I trust them, but I trust Miko Ryans and I trust their quarterback. So I, I do think you'll see some steps. Uh, I just don't know if it'll be enough to, to get to that point, even with just sweet, sweet odds. A couple more divisions to get to. Of course, we'll get into the AFC West, talk about the Chiefs in just a second. But on the other side, in the NFC West, uh, give me your perspective there. You have the 49ers that are, are moving forward with Brock Purdy uh, over the number three pick from a handful of years ago in Trey Lance. Uh, Seattle had a dream season last year. You can't help but wonder um, if there's going to be a, a bit of a, a, a jump down. They went ahead and took another running back after Ken Walker had had such a good year from a season ago, almost makes you wonder about what his health and availability are going to be. But, I mean, you're talking about another team that you love the draft, Devin Witherspoon, really exciting quarterback. You went ahead and got the number one wide receiver in the draft in, in Jackson Smith and Jigba. I I like Seattle. I, I just don't know. And it's, I don't know if it's fair to Gino for me to say, do it again when you he was so good a season ago, like, do you find any other teams um, that could give the 49ers a, a run for their money? I know it's not going to be Arizona. Doubt it's going to be the Rams. Like, is there value on Seattle given that San Francisco is still going with the last pick in the seventh round as their starting quarterback this year? And, like, that's the thing is that we don't even know that that pick is going to be healthy. Like, the the health and status of Brock Purdy still, you know, even though timelines say he should be on track like we're not there yet we don't know we have no idea where we're going to end up landing here with Brock Purdy with his availability now like we saw last year it was just too much for them to overcome but again like you have questions about the development of Trey Lance unless they make a, a you know a move somewhere in the quarterback market like I, I alluded to a potential trade partner with the Minnesota Vikings to acquire like Kirk Cousins um you know saying you're you're all all willing to to go in on a different quarterback like it is really hard to look at the 49ers and think like all right let's let's roll with them uh at minus odds considering we don't know what that quarterback situation is now like we know Shanahan always figures it out but the Seahawks I do think are intriguing at this moment in time at plus 260 because we get closer to the season and we start to get grumblings that like, okay, Brock Purdy might not be all as ready as we thought he would like, Oh, well, we're not, you know, like we don't know what we're going to see in terms of the narrative with Trey Lance. Will he be traded even, um, you know, if we start to get some less than positive news out of San Francisco, I do think we're going to start to see, you know, some more money placed on the Seahawks and, and that'll drive down our profits, which, you know, I, I feel like, if you're going to make the move, now is probably the time. I agree with you completely when it comes to the timing on Seattle. That if not now, I'm not entirely sure when. But a lot of it, the, the caveat is is the belief in Geno uh, to be able to do it again. Like if you believe like this is the, the coaching staff that got the most out of him. Because I think every other part of this team, you can start to feel a lot more comfortable about. Like the playmakers are there. The defense is better. Um, yep. They made significant improvements. Um, but San Francisco just, they, they seem to continue to find ways. Um, and they have playmakers that can stack up with Seattle and they've, they've owned Seattle as well. Like they've, that, that's a team that they've given a lot of trouble with, um, over the last handful of years and, and continued improvement. Um, what about the AFC West? 
you still have the Chiefs that are likely going to win the division yet again. Uh, last year, everybody was on board with with the Chargers. I don't know if anybody really bought into the Broncos winning the division with the acquisition of Russ, but I think people certainly expected him to be better and for Denver to be competitive and in the playoff race. Um, you know, the Raiders are an unmitigated disaster at this point, and we can go ahead and just cross them off the list. But I, I guess not necessarily even focused on, on the Chiefs is whether or not you like them at minus 150 or whatever to win the division, because the answer is clearly yes for pretty much everybody. Um, what did you think of their draft, and, and where do you think those pieces that they brought in um, can really make a difference for them as they look for yet another AFC West division. I thought the draft was fine. Like it, it didn't evoke really any sort of emotions for me um, in general. Like it, I, I'd say it was a pretty average draft, right? Like um, Adike Ozama, Rashi Rice, I do think is a really interesting add in the second round. They took him pick uh, 55 overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy that I, I think, you know, in terms of a relatively small wide receiver class, like, I, I think could be a really interesting option, something that I liked about Rice coming out. Um, one of my my top notes on him was that uh, I love to watch him on scramble drills, and you know that's going to just, like Patrick Mahomes is going to eat that up, and you know what? When, when you're good on scramble drills like that and you can get on the same page with your quarterback, that earns trust, that earns targets. Like I, I think there's a lot of potential there with Rashi Rice, especially with such a good quarterback. Um, but like the draft, I feel like doesn't even move the needle for me in that that sense, right? Like it's Chiefs or bust. This coaching staff, much like you know how I alluded to the coaching staff of the Pittsburgh Steelers, like Mike Tomlin just finds ways to get it done, even when they don't necessarily have the sexiest personnel. Like that's what the chiefs do, right? Like that is what this, this team is built upon. That's what Kyle Shanahan does. Cause he's a good coach. He finds ways to win, even when you're not posed in, in necessarily perfect uh, situations. And I, I just can't see any of these teams competing. And like, even the chargers, like we see them have some really exciting players uh, time and time again, but they always find a way to charger. And for me, even with minus odds, like I, I'm going to bet my money on the Chiefs because they're they're a good organization, top to bottom, and they've got the best quarterback in the NFL. Right. It, it would take the best quarterback in the NFL missing a significant amount of time, uh, as well as the Chargers not chargering all over themselves uh, to put themselves in an actual conversation to win that division. I'm right there with you. Now, I do think adding in Kellen Moore is going to make a noticeable difference for the Chargers, but Brandon Staley is still calling the shots, and the last couple years, he has not given you much of an indication that this is somebody that you trust in critical moments, in major decisions when it comes to uh, the right play, the right call. For like, his- maybe you you upgraded your vehicle, but, like, you're still a bad driver. <laughs> Like you can't, you've got to, you've got to switch who's in the driver's seat if you're going to, you know, it's like that little meme where the Lamborghinis in the the little hut, like that's what it feels like, you know, is dry. We need a new driver. I I think for as much, uh, as much excitement as I think generally speaking, the public had for Stale, I think feels like it's time to, to move on, but. 
All right, good. More could be could be the missing piece. Who knows? All right. So with all that being said, let's turn our attention to a lot of these rookies that we talked about all on one collective list. Offensive rookie of the year. Right now, Bijan leading the way. He started off at plus 400. He's worked his way down to plus 350 at some books, uh, mostly around plus 300. Then you got the whole list of quarterbacks. Your Bryce Youngs, your CJ Strouds, Anthony Richardson, uh, Jameer Gibbs, uh, especially after the DeAndre Swift trade. Uh, his odds went way, way down, plus 900 uh, for rookie of the year on the offensive side. Um, is there a play that you've already considered for offensive rookie of the year? Is there an underdog, as my dog barks in the background, um, that you really, really like? What, Who on this list maybe intrigues you the most? I think on this list, I, I still think who has the easiest pathway to the award. It feels like Bijan, like, you know, it could be uh, a quarterback, certainly. But I, I think in terms of, like, the surrounding cast that all of these rookie quarterbacks have, like Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, I, you know, they've got a ways to go, I think, in, in terms of building up uh, the the offensive rooms. Maybe Bryce Young, like, it, the, it, I just, I don't feel strongly about either. Um, Anthony Richardson, I, I'm, you know, obviously instant playmaking potential with his legs but uh you got to have some concerns there that you're not going to see um you know that development as a passer like he's he's so inexperienced as a quarterback in general um and then he has to make that that trip to the next level i think probably most interesting uh you know long shot quote unquote bet for me uh feels like jordan addison at plus 1700 that's uh, my guy is it oh. okay <laughs> I'm I'm very happy to hear that. Like when you talk about, um, you know, it potential fit there, um, and opportunity, right? Like Adam Thielen is no longer. Um, it just feels like a the opportunity, the pathway for offensive involvement is going to be there. Um, but also just like that fit alongside Justin Jefferson, not having to be the main guy. And being able to spread some of that offense out a bit feels like it could benefit Jordan Addison tremendously. And if you covered up, you know, the his size and you covered up uh, maybe his 40 yard dash time because you thought it was going to be a little bit better. Like he he projected as, you know, I, I think as good a wide receiver as Jackson Smith and Jigba, who was like the runaway favorite. Um, those two, I don't think were as 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 far out as you would have expected them to be. Yeah, you, you already have a Minnesota offense that um, basically runs a lot of, you know, 12 personnel with the tight end and then, you know, two, three wide receivers in the mix as well. Um, and, you know, I'm going to use a term that, that fantasy people know all the time, and that's vacated targets, right? Um, over 100 targets the last three years, or for Adam Thielen, I'm sorry, 95 in 2021, but that was because he only played 13 games. Um, we're talking about a guy that is in a prime position in this offense to be able to be plug and play. It was part of the reason that I think I took Minnesota at like eight to one to draft Jackson Smith and Jigba only because of his propensity to play in the slot. I thought they were going to move up to get somebody like that. But if you have Addison available on your board, he can step right in. So plus 1600 plus 1700, I, I think that's a great play. It's one that I'm already on as well. And then what about on the defensive side uh, for Rookie of the Year? Uh, you know Will Anderson, the clear-cut favorite, although it's actually 
uh, a little bit mixed. You can find him as high as five to one. I think that's where he's currently listed over at Caesars. Uh, Jalen Carter actually has the same odds at Caesars, so there's uh, a lot of movement towards him. But you can get him currently at eight to one. Tyree Wilson in that same range. Uh, Devin Witherspoon, Christian Gonzalez, a uh, good big physical corner to go to New England. I think you have some really intriguing names uh, at the top of this list for defensive rookies. Is there anyone that catches your eye? I like Devin Witherspoon. I, I think he's probably out of uh, all of these players. He's at plus 900 on DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, but Devin Witherspoon, in terms of his field processing, in terms of his like game speed and understanding of the field, like it, it feels like he's going to slot right in to the Seattle Seahawks defense. It's going to be uh, probably seamless and they've they've you know generated some other playmakers on the defensive side of the ball he doesn't have to be out there uh, on an island uh, defending the pass which still could probably handle it but I mean he's he's just I, I think you know more advanced than than most of the other corners in this class we're coming off another uh, you know year where we saw uh, Sauce Gardner uh, win defensive rookie of the year like we're on a quarterback run let's roll with it but um, I, I think the the other playmakers that Seattle has on defense are going to complement his skill set pretty well you're not going to have to ask him to do too much but I think he's too good uh, not to be a, a big part of this defense right out of the gate and I think he's just too smart not to to make those strides in year one and for anybody that's watching that's just curious as to where Felix on your DK Uzoma is located, um, he's as low as 18 to 1 at FanDuel, is as high as 30 to 1 uh, at Caesars. If you're looking for uh, another Kansas City pass rusher, if you want to go with the local kid uh, here in Kansas City, uh, you're going to want to shop around those lines a little bit uh, to see if you can find some value. Okay, this has been awesome. I've been uh, taking advantage of your time over the course of the show, but uh, it's because I love talking football with you. I always learn something every time that uh, we have an opportunity to hang out. Um, where can people find your work? I know it's a Rick Gaming Society, but it almost feels like you're everywhere these days. <laughs> uh, yeah, a little bit of everywhere. You can follow me on Twitter at Kate Majuk. It's M-A-G-D-Z-I-U-K. Super, super simple, uh, super spelling, uh, super simple spelling. <laughs> Oh, that was tough to say. Um, but yeah, you can find my work over at thegamingsociety.com. Uh, my co-host a uh, podcast called Ball Blast Fantasy Football. Uh, also do the Locked On Dynasty Fantasy Football podcast. So find my work a little bit of everywhere and and see what's coming up next because it's going to be a fun off season. I hope to I hope to I hope to be welcomed back by the the um, Kansas City fan base here at some point to keep talking football because this was a blast. It's it's an open invitation. Come down, bring Michelle. We'll have barbecue. We'll have beers. It'll be uh, it'll be a great time. If listen, if there's there's one thing that Casey uh, understands and represents, it's uh, it's good hospitality. So I uh, would love to have you down here uh, at at any point to to come hang out. That's Game Majub Gaming Society again. Thanks to everybody for joining us on the pod today for Benny and the Bets. Uh, by the way, if you are listening to this pod or watching this pod on our and Chiefs channel, thanks so much for being a part of this. You can go ahead and subscribe to Benny and the Bets on our YouTube channel uh, as well. It's uh, Casey Betting and also wherever you get your podcasts as well. So for Cade, for executive producer Jordan Foote, I am Ben Heisler. May all of your best bets hit, and we'll be back again next week with a brand spanking new edition of Benny and the Bets. Until then, so long for now.
Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.